All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and get right into the Word. How many of you ready to get into the Word? You ready? Yes. If you guys don't know me, my name's Frank. I have the honor to be the, the outreach and um, operations pastor. I do kind of like a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. So sometimes you don't see me. Sometimes you see me running around everywhere because I'm the, if something breaks or something needs uh, fixing, that they call on me, and that's why I'm usually running up and down these, these aisles because I love being able to let Pastor Scott be up here, preach the word of God, and him not to have to worry about what's going on back there. You know, And I'm so thankful that he is in our kids' ministry this morning to be able to check it out and see everything that God is doing here. So I want to take some time this morning. Before we even get into the message, I want us to recognize what God is doing. You see, in life, it's so easy to be stuck in routine, right? How many of you guys know that? It's so easy to be stuck in routine. It's so easy to wake up, do your thing. And, and in fact, some of you right now are thinking about what you're going to do after church, right? You're thinking, oh, what am I going to eat, you know? And, uh, and then, oh, I'm going to take my nap, right? And then next week is... Football starting, you know, we're still going to watch some football. And like, you already have a routine. You're, your mind is programmed. We're creatures of habits, right? And sometimes it is so easy to miss what God is doing if we don't take time to just pause and reflect. Take time to pause and see and look around, look inward and see what God is doing. So I want to do that today. This message, I want to speak directly to this house. If you call Shore Church your home and you're committed to this house and you're committed to what God is doing, I want you to listen up. Because this message is for you. Now, if you're here visiting us, this message is also for you. You can apply this at your home church and what God is doing in your church. But I want to speak specifically to that. You see, we have seen so many new families come and be a part of this church. It's been incredible to see people come together and see what God is doing in this church, how they come to, get to know what he is doing in here. And so it's been so many young families, our kids' ministry is growing, our youth ministry is growing. God is doing something. In fact, even in the last couple of months, if you've been here, you've seen the amount of baptisms we've done, right? When we have even a couple more that signed up that God is going to use and do uh, in this next couple of weeks and in the last couple of months, we've had around 20 baptisms happen. Isn't that incredible? 20 baptisms happen. That is people saying, I am following after you. I'm giving my life to you. And I want this group of people to surround me, to disciple me, and help me to grow to be more like Jesus. It's been incredible to see that. You know, even in our next-gen ministries with our kids, uh, everything that's happening in kids and youth, it's been incredible to see everything that is happening. In fact, most of those baptisms, a lot of those have come from our next generation, right? And it's so important because I don't know about you, but you and I aren't going to be here forever, right? We're not going to be here forever. And we want to build this house and build this church so that way our kids and our grandkids can be here and lead people to know Christ, right? I'm super incredibly thankful for what God is doing in our kids' ministry and in our youth group. You know, we, you may have heard this. We do what's called toddler time. Every Tuesday, we uh, open up the fellowship hall from 9 to 11 o'clock, and this is just a time for 
anyone, parents, you know, moms and dads, uh, can bring their kids with them, their toddlers with them, and we just open up the fellowship hall, and there's a bunch of bounce houses and games, and it's a, it's a lot of fun, and, and it's incredibly uh, rewarding to see what God has done even through that ministry, and I know you guys don't, unless you're there, you don't really see it, you don't really know what's going on, but this, this, that hallway gets really busy. We've had over 100 people at times, come into, you know, come into our building just to hang out. And, and, and our heart and our goal with Tyler Time is just to bless this community. You know, how many of you guys are moms or dads that stay home and you want to have a place that your kids can just run around in, you know, and just be, have, have it be safe and build community and all of the things. I mean, as a parent, like, Jeremiah goes to this and he loves it, right? He loves it. And it's cool because... They also, the parents can also connect with one another and build community. And we've seen relationships form because of toddler time, you know. In fact, we have uh, Rachel, who I'm just going to brag on her for a second, that she was leading worship uh, from the piano. She joined our family because of toddler time, and we're sad that you're leaving, but we're so incredibly thankful for your ministry and everything that you've done. And can we give it up for Rachel? Yeah. She has also been a part of that. So it's been incredible. We've actually had someone last week sign up from, for Anchor Group that comes to toddler time. God is doing something incredible in that, you know. We, we're seeing things happen with Care Portal. I know Pastor Scott has shared with you uh, of what we're doing with Care Portal and how we're able to bless families, especially those that are in foster care or uh, preventing them to uh, be surrendered, the kids to be surrendered. And so we have an incredible way of being able to partner with God and what he is doing in the church even all the staffing changes that are happening right now. You know, I am super incredibly incited for what God is doing. You know, in the kids' hallway, we have Felicia and Donnie Owens and Joe, Jordan Dudes that are heading up that ministry, and they're just killing it. They are, I know your kids are having a blast, but they're also learning about Jesus. They're also learning how to be kind to one another, and they have value just like we have values at the church. And it's so, it's so I'm so excited for what God is going to do in this kids' ministry as he grows that. The same thing with, the, um, with our youth ministry with Pastor Scott and Andy. Like, how incredibly cool is it to have our lead pastors lead in the next gen as well as we figure out who's going to take over and who's going to be the next one to step into that role. It's cool to see our pastors being willing to serve, right, even in a bigger capacity than he is now. Because I'm telling you, he's busy with what he's doing already. And this added even more. But he's willing because he believes in the next generation. He believes in what God is doing. You see, I think it's important to stop. And I, need, I could go on and on and on about what God is doing in this church. But I think it's important to take some time to stop and pause and just thank God for what he is doing. Recognize what he is doing. Instead of going through the routine, instead of keep going, you know, just life is so fast-paced and your mind keeps racing, just take a moment and think about what he's doing in your life. Think about what he's doing in the lives around you. Think about what he's doing in your community, in your church. Because when you begin to recognize that, you can't help but to sing a little bit louder, right? You can't help but to praise him. So, if you're taking notes today, I'm entitling this message, Build My Church. I want us to recognize what God is doing in this house 
and that what God is doing everywhere. He wants to build his church. So in light of everything that I just shared with you this morning, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. So we're going to visit that at the end of the message. I want to read to you Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. And it says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesar of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the key to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned his disciples to not tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Now, that was a lot. It was a lot packed in there, and what I wanted to do for the rest of this message is break up that very passage that we just read. I want to break this down verse by verse. You know, I'm super thankful for Pastor Scott and his vision at the, at the church to be biblically literate, right? You know, he, he, you, if you've been around here long enough, you know that he's passionate about us. In fact, some of you are sick of it because every single week he's opening this and he's looking at you like, you know, opening this up and saying, do you know the word, right? Do you, like, you don't need me to come here on Sunday morning to hear the word, but this is just a bonus. But you are getting into the word that you know how to defend the word of God, that you know how to discern the voice of God, right? And so we're going to take some time to be biblically literate and see what this says. So, in the first part, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesar Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, we have to understand that region was influenced by the Greek and Roman culture. This wasn't a region following after God. This wasn't a region that was being obedient to God, but there were pagan worship. There were idols that they were worshiping. It was a very corrupt place. And when Jesus entered into that reason, I thought it was interesting that he asked the disciples, who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. See, everyone has opinions, right? You have an opinion? I have an opinion, right? Everyone has opinions. Everyone has thoughts. Everyone has a voice, and everyone has their own way of communicating things. And Jesus looked to his disciples and say, who do, you, who do they say I am? Who do they say I am? Today in this world, we know that the world is loud, right? Everyone has their truth. Everyone has their way of interpreting things. All you have to do is turn on the news and you hear this and that, right? And what if Jesus was looking to us today, in America today, and say, who do people say I am? What would we say? What would the people say? Some will say that he's the good man. Some will say that he never existed. 
Some would say that he was just a prophet, just like they said back in the day. But would they say who he truly was? This is in a region that was so corrupt that they had no idea of who he was. But then he continues, and he, but then he asks them, but who do you say I am? He's speaking to his disciples here. Who do you say I am? Simon, and Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You see, the only way the disciples would have been able to answer that is if they knew Jesus. If they knew who he was. And this was a group of 12 men that did everything with Jesus, right? They traveled with him. They ate with him. They watched him do miracles. They listened to his teaching. They saw all these people come to follow him and to hear his word, right? And then when he would begin to speak, it would begin to challenge people, and those people started to fade away. But those that remained were part of the disciples that said, no, we know who you are. You are the Messiah. We know what other people are saying. We know who they think you are, but we know who you are. You are the Messiah. You are it. You, have been, you are the one we have been waiting for. See, the, the people, they were waiting for a king. They were waiting for someone to overthrow the government. They were waiting for someone to make their lives better. But Peter and the disciples knew, okay, no, not what it looks like. And they didn't even fully understand everything yet. But they said, in faith, Jesus, you are the Messiah. See, there's a lot of people that knew Jesus. But did they truly know Jesus? See, there's a difference between knowing of God and knowing God. See, there's a difference about knowing about this man that came to, to, to save you from your sins to knowing and crying and praying and seeking and fighting for people that don't know that that man came to save them as well. There's the difference between knowing of God and knowing God. You see, this is like in, in any relationship, right? In fact, if you're married today, you can relate to this. If, you, if you're married and you started dating with each other and you, you were with each other for a couple of years, you got married, and then you moved in with each other. You start to find some things about them that you didn't know about, right? Maybe some things that annoy you, you know, uh, some things that you're like, oh, you do that, you know. Um, that you get, the more you are with them, you begin to discover who they are as a person. And it's funny because my parents uh, watch Jeremiah at our house uh, twice a week. And so when they do, uh, when they get lunch and stuff like that, my, my mom doesn't like leaving a mess, so she'll clean up the dishes and things like that and put them away, and I'm thankful for that. And, uh, um, and same here, you know, I'll, when, when we have dishes, I'll, I'll put them away and, uh, you know, where, where they belong. And you know how many times I've heard from my wife, where is this utensil, you know? And I'm like, oh, it's right there, right? And it's where it's supposed to be. And she'll always say to me, between you and your mother, I never know where anything is at in this kitchen, right? I never know where anything is at. But I'm like, that's where, that's where it goes. That's where it belongs, right? And as you get to begin to spend more time with each other, maybe after nine years, I will know where this utensil goes in the kitchen, right? 
You spend time with each other. And when you spend more time with each other, intimacy builds. Right? You get to get grow closer. And this is the same with the relationship with Jesus. And the disciples experienced it because they got front row seat. They got front row seat to what God was doing, and they were witnessing this. You see, Peter was confident that he was able to say that he was the Messiah because he was with him. When it continue on, it says, Jesus replied, you are blessed, son of John. Simon said of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. This is really important. His Father revealed this to him. See, we need his voice. We need his word. I'm going to be Pastor Scott here for a second, right? We need to go where his voice is the loudest. And that's his word. You see, when you know God, and I want to I challenge you, especially if you're here in these seats, I want to challenge you that knowing God looks different for each and every single one of us. We're all on different parts of the journey. Maybe some of you here today haven't asked Jesus into your heart yet. Maybe you, you don't know what Jesus looked like as Lord and Savior of your life. And maybe it just takes by just starting to opening this up and saying, God, what do, you, what do you have for me? And maybe some of you have been a disciple of following Christ for years and years, 30, 40, 50 years. And you know God and you are passionate about his word, but maybe life has just kind of gotten static. Maybe life, it just has kind of gotten into this routine. You open up the Bible, you open up the Word, but maybe you're not really getting anything out of it. And I want to challenge you to get deeper. I'll ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you to the point where you cannot help but to get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. And if you look at this Bible, it's, yeah, pages are falling off. The binder of this had, had fallen off. And if I open this up, there's a bunch of, writings and, and notes in there, and this is, this is the, what it looks like. Just maybe say, okay, this is what my Bible looks like right now. Maybe i got to dust it off. And maybe opening that up for you for the first time, it's where you start. And maybe for some of us, we need for the pages just to start ripping off. Get into the presence of God. Get to know him. Build the intimacy because God is calling for you. He wants you. You see, when I read this part of the verse, I, I, I was a little confused if I was going to be completely honest. I was like, how did the Father even reveal this to him? See, they're witnessing Jesus right now, and they're witnessing the miracles. They're seeing all that. The veil has not yet been torn. The Holy Spirit is not yet out, right? So how did the Father reveal this? And if then it hit me. When you get into the word, the word will begin to reveal things to you that you are seeking. And we see this in John chapter 14, verse 6 through 11. It says, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him. 
and you have seen him. And Philip is still questioning this. He's like, well, hold up, Jesus. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but the, my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. See, when you hang out with the Son, you see the Father. And I wonder how many of us are in this season today that he would say, have I been with you all this time, Frank, and yet you still don't know me? Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about entering into the, the, the kingdom of heaven. See, when you make that declaration and say, God, I will follow you. You are Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my heart. Do what you need to do in me. You are instantly saved. But every single day, we are made more like Christ. At least we should try to be. We should try to be. And I wonder how many of us are in situations in our life right now where we're questioning God if he'll come through. Maybe there's a, a financial situation. Maybe there's a diagnosis. Maybe there's something that you're worried about, something you have anxiety about. And God is looking at you and saying, have I been with you all this time that you don't know that I will come through for you? That I will be there for you, that I am for you, that I love you, that I will care for you? Have I been with you all this time? And I pray that we would be a group of people in this church that is just like Peter that says, you are the Messiah. You are more than able. You are more than capable. And we put our faith and our trust in you. Regardless of where you're at in the journey, whether you're dusting this off or you're letting the pages fall off of the Bible, allow God to work in you. Now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. He is building his church, and I want you and I to recognize that this morning. God is doing something in this house. I don't know if you can sense it. I don't know if you can see the atmosphere that's a little bit different during worship, which I am super incredibly thankful for the worship team and everything that they do, and I'm excited for what's to come, right? Even with uh, next week, we have Jacob that's coming to join us to lead worship, and we're super excited for what God is going to do through his ministry and what he's going to do. And, and I want to say thank you, Dave, for everything that you have done in your ministry. We're so thankful for all that you do and that you have done. We're incredibly thankful for that. He's not going anywhere, though. You're still going to see him up here. He's still going to be leading worship at times and blessing us. Instead of hearing me speak, you can hear him. Because I'm telling you, this guy, when we were at the men's retreat um, uh, 
last year he spoke a word. It was one of the best devotionals I've ever heard, and I do not say that lightly. It was incredible. It's about the Holy Spirit and fire, and he, he said words I didn't even understand. It was, it was incredible, right? So thank you for that. But God is doing something in here, in this atmosphere, and we are excited about it. And I want you and I, even what we heard last week, what did we hear about last week? Do you guys remember? To be enthusiastic, enthusiastic going after God, after his presence, after, after him. When is the last time we've gotten down on our knees in our prayer closet and cried with those that don't know him? When is the last time that we opened the word of God and said, God, not just what you want to speak to me, but speak through me. Maybe there's a coworker that needs to hear something. Maybe there's someone in your family member that you've been praying for, but that God wants to use you. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. There are three views that scholars believe of what the rock symbolizes. And I'm going to share those three views with you. The first one is Jesus himself. That the work of the salvation that he did, that he went to the cross and he died for you and died, that we build our foundation on that. The second one is Peter. He was the first great leader of the church that after Jesus resurrected and the Holy Spirit came, he preached the word and 3,000 people got saved and the church was born. And the third one is the confession that Peter gave when Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And he said, you are the Messiah. You are the one we've been waiting for. Regardless of what your view is, it is not based off of what Peter did. It's based off of who Jesus is. You see, upon this rock, he will build his church. It's Jesus it's what Jesus did for us. He wants to build his church. And it's so much of the fact that Peter even later says that Jesus is the cornerstone, right? Jesus is the one that we built this upon. And it says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. You see, in other versions, the powers of hell, it says the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Last I checked, gates don't attack people. Now let me be very clear, the enemy is real. The enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy He's doing anything and everything to rip us apart from what God is trying to do in us. But no one can snatch him away from his hands. You see, it's time for the church to be on offense. Gates don't attack people. We have the word of God. We have the spirit of God that is in us and living through us to go forth and to start telling people about Jesus and who he is and what he has done in our lives just so that people can see that the hope that they are missing is actually in Jesus. It is time for the church to rise up and to stop letting culture tell us what to do and stop letting everyone's opinions and thoughts and what they think about this and what they think about that. 
You see, if we were in America today and Jesus said, who would they say I am? Some would say, oh, he's a Republican. Some would say he's a Democrat. Some would say he's a liberal. Some would say whatever, right? Not, not here. We are saying you are the Messiah, the king of all kings. You didn't come to overthrow some government. You came to save us, and that is what matters. So we have to stop being, sitting on our seats, afraid of what the enemy's doing, afraid of what could happen. If the enemy is attacking you, good, because that means you're doing something. It's time for us to get on offense. There is no backplate in the armor of God. We're not called to run in defeat. We're not called to run away. We're called to go forward. And God wants to do that in each and every single one of us this morning as he builds his church. And it continues on and says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You see, keys are important. They give you access to something. They allow you to enter into something. And if you own a home, you have keys. You don't hand your keys out just to a stranger, right? You don't hand your keys out to someone you don't know and be like, hey, just come to my house and feel free to eat, eat the food in the fridge, you know, and uh, sit up on the couch, watch some TV, but just don't go into that room. That room's a disaster, right? Like, don't go into that room, right? You don't just give your keys out to someone that you don't know. You give your keys out to someone you know and trust. Right? You give it to someone that you know and you trust. But as owner of the house, I still have the ability to change the lock. And where am I going with this? You and I don't get to determine who enters into the kingdom of heaven. But God gives us the keys because he wants to use you and I to point to people to the kingdom of heaven. But in order to get the keys, you have to know him. You have to know him. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You see, this forbidden to permit is to bind or loose. You see, when we pray, when we pray in the spirit, when we pray that God would do something, when we pray on earth, whether it's binding it or loosing it, it is done in heaven. And the important part is that it's done through God's authority, not ours. He's the one that gave us the keys. It is his authority, and God wants to use you and I so his people would know what he did for them. Then he certainly warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. You see, people still didn't know who Jesus was. They knew of him. They followed him. They listened to his teaching, but they truly didn't know who Jesus was. And Jesus knew that his disciples knew. He said, okay, they're, they're, they're understanding it. They're getting it. They have faith that the, I am the Messiah, that I am the one that they came after, that I'm uh, coming after. But everyone else didn't know that. 
And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, don't say that yet. Because he knew if that word got out about that, that people would be upset, riots would happen, that they would be attacked. And Jesus said, that time had not come yet. I still have work to do. That the Father is doing something in me and through me. Today, the time has come. The time has come. It is time for us to let people know that he is the Messiah. So let me circle back to the beginning of the message. About everything I just said about what God is doing in his church. He's building his church, and he wants to use you and I to do it. I'm going to have the worship team come forward. You and I get to be a part of what God is doing in his church. And I love what it says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 37. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers in his fields. The harvest is great. And I want us at the church to recognize what God is doing in this place. And I'm not talking about these seats getting filled. I'm not talking about these seats getting filled and the, the people going up to the sanctuary. What I'm talking about are people's lives. That God is doing something in and through them. And we have the opportunity to partner with him to say, Jesus is what you're looking for. He's building his church. He's building his church. I love how we end every, every week with the Great Commission. See, the Great Commission is what? Go. You guys all know it, right? Go and make disciples. Go and make all disciples. See, the Great Commission establishes the purpose of why the church exists. And how we go about the Great Commission is by the Great Commandment. And we're going to read that in Matthew 27, 37, and 39. And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind. You see, we do the Great Commission by saying, God, I love you. I'm following and after you. I will take the time to know you and who you are. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to love on your people. I'm going to love on your people. And guess what? God's people includes those that don't know him. Everyone is created in the image of God. And he came to save everyone. Not just those who come at church. Not just those who know the right things to say. Not those who can quote a couple of scriptures and maybe have to dust off the Bible. But everyone. And we 
wants to use you and I to do that. You see, it is that verse that we just read, love is the answer to all of that. This is the last verse that I want to share with you. And this is 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I could... That just scared some of y'all. <laughs> See, you could speak the truth. If you're not doing it in love, that's what they're hearing. That's what they're hearing. It doesn't matter. See, Jesus didn't come to show us the way, the truth, and the life. He did it through love. If you can stand with me this morning as we close. As we close, this is what I want us to do. I want you to remember what life was like without Jesus. Some of you that you may be having going back a little while, but I want you to remember what your life was like without Jesus. Maybe we were going through a hard time. Maybe just you were this this life just didn't you weren't happy, you were frustrated, whatever it is. I want you to think about that right now, right here. Maybe some of you, you're like, I don't know how to do that, right? I'm one of those people. I grew up in the church. All I ever known is the church. I've never had, not had a relationship with Jesus until I can remember, right? But I do remember moments where there's been situations where I'm like, oh, but if God did not come through to this, I don't know what I would have done. And I want you to think about that situation. And I want you to think about what you would have done if Jesus wasn't there for you. Right here, right now, just for a couple of minutes. There's people that are living that reality today. There are people looking for hope. Maybe you're in this room. There are people that are scared, full of anxiety, full of depression, full of fear. And when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, that doesn't mean you're not gonna have any problems. The enemy's still gonna attack you. But what it does mean is that you have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on your side. What it does mean is that you have a hope that will not fade away. God is building his church and he wants to use you and I to do that. So as we begin to know him deeply, let him use you. Because God's doing something in this church. I am declaring that God is doing something in this house. And you and I get to be a part of it. So let's speak Jesus.